to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't cut it. Keep it raw. Keep it raw, man. Keep it raw. It's fine. What is up, y'all? This is the Mind vs. Muscle podcast. I am Cody Boom Boom McBroom. I'm going to be doing a solo podcast today because my boy Theo is not around today, but that is all good because I'm going to answer a bunch of questions for y'all. We got um, a ton sent in, so I'm going to try to get through as many as I can, but as many of you may know, I love to rant. So if these questions go on and on, then you will just get a bunch of content, but um, at the end of the day, we might not be able to answer them all, and then we'll have to save them for another podcast. So today, you are going to hear another voice. Because I got my boy, Michelangelo. That's uh, not really his name. <laughs> I don't even know if he's Italian, but I call him Michelangelo. This is Michael Francis, our producer. Say what up, Michael. How's it going, everybody? So he's going to be asking me the questions, and uh, we're going to be firing off some content. So, I mean, let's just let's just get right into it, bro. What's the All first right. one? So our first question looks like comes from Rob, uh, Rob Duffer. He's wondering when to take supplements. He's currently taking Isopure Whey, creatine, BCAAs, a pre-workout, multivitamin and fish oil and he's looking to know uh the proper way to spread them out timing of the day with which meals he should take them with and is the pre-workout uh obviously i think i think it says something like obviously the pre-workout is he takes pre-workout right like right i, mean, I think he was just yeah because i read the question i think what he was saying too is like he listed all of his supplements and he was like obviously i take the pre-workout pre-workout <laughs> and it's yeah. like yeah that's a given there so i mean i think at the end of the day uh First and foremost, I want everybody out there to know that when we look at the pyramid of importance when it comes to nutrition, supplements is at the very tippy top. And the very tippy top of that, sounds weird saying tippy top, <laughs> but at the very tippy top of that pyramid, uh, that means that is the smallest portion of that pyramid, right? As you know, the base of that pyramid is the biggest part of the structure. And that means that part matters the most because that's what holds everything in, intact and that's what makes the biggest uh importance of this pyramid to stand tall and in, in our nutrition case it would be that's the the most important piece to get us moving with our results um but supplements is at the top so for those out there i just want to make that clear because i see a lot of people running right to the supplements they run right to meal timing right to all these little minute like things that really don't matter as much as they think but that's not to say supplements don't matter because I do personally take supplements. I think they are important, but they come later on in your journey. So with him, um, the timing of supplements, to be honest, doesn't really matter too much. I think the important thing is that you're taking them, right? So, um, But when we look at this, we got to understand too is, is there might be some supplements in there that he actually didn't even list, right? So let's say he's taking vitamin D, for instance. Um, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So what that means is in order for that uh, vitamin D to be consumed properly into our body and absorbed and actually get those nutrients, it's best if we consume it with some fat. So if you took that vitamin D first thing in the morning with some water and you didn't eat anything with it, you probably wouldn't really get much use out of it, right? You wouldn't absorb it and you wouldn't get the benefits. So like my suggestion there is like maybe you're having some eggs for breakfast or you have some avocado or peanut butter fish oil, whatever your fat source is, have that vitamin D with that. So in some cases you want to pair them, right? So I know like vitamin B is water soluble. So you have to drink extra water when you take those things like that. So the easiest way to do it, guys, Google. It's this really cool tool. You can Google things and you can find out which one is uh, soluble with what, and then you can learn how to pretty much get the most out of that supplement. But when it comes to workout supplements, I think there is some some small details, but some not so much, right? So uh, whey protein, 
I use whey protein as a filler, right? So whey protein uh, can be consumed around your workouts because I know there's the whole post-workout window myth, which isn't completely true because at the end of the day, if you get protein within a few hours of your workout, you will you still benefit. You don't need it right away, but I think whey protein's good. If you're not going to go right Oh, have a meal right after your training or you're going to have to wait a few hours. I do suggest having a whey protein shake. It doesn't hurt you. So why not do it? Right. You're going to get better recovery. You're going to have better muscle growth and, and you're going to stimulate the body a little bit better with that muscle protein synthesis. So whey protein should be around your workouts uh, one to two hours pre and post unless it is just simply a replacement. Right. So if I don't have time to eat a meal and I just want to have a whey protein shake and some almonds, then that's my go-to and it doesn't really matter what time of day that's at. It's just a meal replacement, right? So that's, that's whey protein. BCAAs, uh, branch chain amino acids. Those are the building blocks of protein. I think the key with those is most likely you're going to want to take them during training, right? So the only time I really recommend them is for somebody who is looking to get really lean, like go on stage, do a photo shoot. And they're at the point where they can't sacrifice any muscle in their fat loss journey, because as we know, the longer we diet, the more likely we are to lose muscle mass. So a good thing about branched chain amino acids is they help us refrain from burning muscle as fuel and losing that muscle mass. So in the case where somebody is getting really lean um, or worried about that, for instance, I just started to cut and I'm getting ready. I, I have like four clients getting ready to do this big bikini show um, and a physique guy and I'm excited for him. And I told him I might be stepping on stage with them and I'm going to take a long like six to eight month journey to get there. It's a slow process. But my goal is to make sure I don't lose any muscle because I'm not I'm, I'm already fairly lean, so I don't have a ton to go. So I will drink BCAs right before and during my training, because then I know that during that training, I'm not going to break down muscle as fuel, because if I run out of fuel or if I'm uh, at the point where I'm running on fumes, my body will help constantly rebuild it's almost like a it's like a safety net right to make sure that my body doesn't burn those uh the currently stored proteins and muscle tissue as fuel um, i hope that makes sense to you guys out there but the only time i really recommend that is let's say i ate a meal with protein two to three hours before training i would probably have those bcas before or during because i haven't consumed protein in a while right or if you're fasting when you train in the morning, like you haven't ate at all, you train 5.30 in the morning and, and you don't have time to eat, that's totally fine. Have some BCAs during training to make sure that you're fueled and that you're not breaking down muscle. Um, but at the end of the day, to be honest, BCAs are a waste of money for anybody who is just looking for general health, looking for general weight loss, looking to build muscle. Because if you're eating enough protein, like shooting for anywhere between 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, which is a broad spectrum, but everybody's a little bit different. If you're eating that much protein, throughout the day and you're spreading it out evenly, you constantly have amino acids going through your body and you really don't need BCAs. So I don't recommend people buying them unless I get mine for free because I have connections and stuff like that. So it's different. Like I'm not spending money on them and I might as well use them as a safety net. So it's different. So I don't think those are necessary, but the purpose of them is around training. Now, uh, the last one I remember on there was creatine. Creatine, you should probably be taking, usually it depends on your body weight, but usually anybody's around three to five grams per day. I always just recommend five grams. It's easy. You take a teaspoon and it's five grams and you're good. Um, now be cautious because a lot of brands spike with sodium. So it's important to find a brand that is labeled as Crea Pure and it's trademarked because that's a factory in Germany that originated that shit and it is legit. Um, 
whole like pure creatine, right? So um, it's that Colombian shit. <laughs> so if you get that, uh, that's when you're going to be okay. And, and labels have to put Creapure on it if they're using that. And that's when you know it's legit. So always look for that. I get a brand called uh, Bulk Supplements, I believe. And it's been tested by lab studies. And I looked it up. It's like 15 bucks on Amazon. And, and I got like 100 servings. So creatine is a really cheap one. But here's the catch. It makes no difference whatsoever when you take it at all, right? Because your body takes about two weeks to saturate creatine into the blood, which is when it starts working. So the first two weeks of taking creatine, it's not even really doing shit. After two weeks, it gets saturated into your body and it starts becoming current. So as you can see, what I took this morning for my creatine isn't going to work for me today. That's going to work for me down the road. But what I've been taking for the last few weeks is working for me. So whether I take it first thing in the morning, whether I take it before my workout, during my workout, after my workout, with carbs, without carbs, it doesn't matter, guys. It just needs to be saturated in the system. You just need to take five grams a day for it to work, and that's all that matters. I personally take it in the morning with my green drink because it's easy. So whatever's convenient is, is what you need to do. Um, what else? Is, was there anything else on there? Yeah, he said that uh, he's also taking multivitamins and fish oil. Okay, so with that, I would just suggest... Now, fish oil, I would suggest maybe taking with a meal. I think that anything is going to be absorbed better with nutrients for the most part, um, uh, especially vitamins and minerals and fiber and things like that. So I would just I would just recommend taking them with meals and spreading them out throughout the day. If you take... Like, let's say you're taking fish, uh, six grams, so six pills a day of fish oil. If you take all six first thing in the morning, you're probably going to have fish burps you know so what i would suggest is taking two per meal if you're eating three meals a day like just spread it out it's it's pretty simple but from a nutrient standpoint take it with a meal but otherwise it doesn't really matter and then uh same thing with multi multivitamin um take it with a meal but if you need to but at the end of the day like everything is going to be absorbed better with other nutrients and uh water so as long as you're doing that and you're just taking it each day that's the big thing, you know, and, and, and that's what's funny is like people always go to timing and all these little tiny details when at the end of the day, it's like, just take it. You know what I mean? It's just whatever's convenient. Now, he said he's also taking a pre-workout, which will tie into our next question, too. Um, okay. But for his, I guess, tying his and the next question together, what is your take on pre-workouts? Man, um, I think it, it it just depends, man. The, the f supplement industry is just so crazy right now. And like. There's so many bullshit supplements out there that are just pitching these results. And at the end of the day, if you're not following like the pyramids, which we're going to have to do a whole podcast on, but like if you're not following the big steps, like adhering to your training, getting enough volume in um, the right exercise selection, getting your macros, your calories on check, you're in a deficit, all these like little things, then pre-workout is pointless. Now, that being said, there's a few things that actually do work and have been proven through studies and I'll, and I'll go through those because if you look at, and I know a lot of people are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. They look at a pre-workout and it looks awesome. It's like ripped fuel 7,000. And there's a guy that's like shredded to the gills on the cover. And you're like ready to just get jacked because you're going to take this pre-workout. But you look at the ingredients and it says proprietary blend. And it has 28 things that you've never even heard of plus caffeine. And all it says is there's 1,738 milligrams of this proprietary blend quote unquote. Now the issue there is, is like, okay, out of these 28 ingredients, 25 are pointless, right? So there's creatine in there, there's caffeine in there. And then there's a little bit of citrulline malate. Let's say those are three things that have been studied, but who knows how much is in there, right? And the funny thing is, is those things that have been studied are more expensive than all the other shit that's in there. So they probably fill it with a ton of stuff 
that doesn't work because it's cheaper. And then they throw in a little bit of that other stuff, right? So you really got to be careful with that. I don't recommend buying a pre-workout that doesn't specifically say how many milligrams are in each ingredient that you need, right? So pre-workouts that I recommend are ones that do not have proprietary blends. And if they do have proprietary blends, they at least say how many milligrams of caffeine, creatine, citrulline malate, beta alanine, or glycinine there is. And those are things that are actually working. Like glycinine is, is not like a, a huge one, and I might be pronouncing that wrong, but that's one that can help with a pump. Um, yes and no. It's more of just like a sugar, really. And sugar, like, if, like, and that's why, like, and you know this, Michael, like, I love eating airheads before I train, like, <laughs> upper body, because the sugar gets in my blood and I have a bigger pump, right? So, like, for me, coffee and airheads is like a great pre workout. Um, but the, with the, with the ingredients that work, you want to look for beta alanine. It, there's been studies that work. You want anywhere between like three to six grams around training. That's the stuff that gives you the tingling feeling. But here's the kick. Like beta alanine has been shown to work in athletes or trainees that are training for, I want to say it's like 60 plus seconds. So the issue here is, okay, I'm doing a five by five strength lift deadlifts there's no way i'm deadlifting for 60 seconds if i'm doing five reps okay but later in my program maybe i'm i'm pulling sled well if you're just doing a 20 yard sprint you're still not pulling for 60 seconds right so if you're doing down back three times and you're getting a lot of lactic acid or you're doing 20 rep squats then beta alanine can kind of come into play and currently right now i'm taking a pre-workup that has beta alanine in it and and i solidify it with the fact that i have 20 rep squats in one of my days i pull sled for three minutes at a time one of those days so it makes sense um, but that's like the, the bottom of the spectrum. Now, caffeine is going to be your number one go-to caffeine works. It helps you burn fat during your training. It helps you, uh, obviously have energy. And I think that's huge. Everybody's different. Um, some people can take hundred milligrams of caffeine and be buzzed. Um, some people need 350, which is, is on the very upper echelon. I, I recommend around 150 to 250 grams of, uh, milligrams of, uh, caffeine in your pre-workout or your caffeine pill like for a long time i just took caffeine pills and it was fine but um so that's the next one make sure that your supplement says how much caffeine's in it uh the third one is citrulline malate or i guess that would be fourth one citrulline malate citrulline malate has been proven by studies to uh increase the pump essentially so it helps bring blood flow into the muscle kind of like a nitric oxide supplement but most nitric oxide supplements are complete bullshit and they don't have anything that actually works so citrulline malate is actually something that transfers arginine that's already in our body i'm pretty sure and i might be wrong with that but i know it has something to do with arginine because arginine is kind of like eh, doesn't really work because it needs to be converted so citrulline malate helps actually get a pump and i think that's great and i think i want to say you need like three to five grams of that or three to five milligrams of that or something um and that's a good one so i always like look for something with those three in it and if it has it then it does but here's like so so my overall opinion is 75% of the pre-workouts out there are bullshit. They don't really matter. They don't really work. Um, 25% of them do work and they have some stuff in it. But the main ingredient that works in there is really just caffeine. So you could save a lot of money by just drinking some coffee. Or I would go to Fred Meyer and literally buy a caffeine pill box. And it was $2.50. Right. And it lasted me two weeks, three weeks. right? And that's way cheaper than buying a pre-workout. But... I will say when I take a pre-workout and I do get that tingly feeling, even though I know all the science behind it that doesn't work, it's a placebo effect, man. Right. And I get this like crazy, like I'm amped. I'm going to just crush this session. I'm super pumped. Um, and I always have a great workout. So part of me is like, you know what? If, if the placebo effect 
makes you get a great workout, then fuck it. Take the pre-workout. You know what I mean? It's, it's worth it to me. And, and I currently take one right now because I missed that that placebo effect and it's working for me right now. I and mean, I've been having great workouts because of it. Well, I think that makes sense because I know in the gym, I've heard a lot of people complain like, oh man, I forgot to take my pre-workout. I'm not yeah. going to do as well today. And they mentally start checking yeah. out, right? Yeah. And that's what it is, man. And, and actually, you know, for the listeners out there, there's a great book called The Placebo Effect. And it literally is like, placebo effect is very, very powerful. And, and I truly believe that that's the thing. And, and you know what? Like, that could be for anything. Like, maybe maybe that's how it is with BCAs. Like, if you take BCAs, you know, like, oh, that's extra fuel. My muscle's not going to break down. Maybe you train harder because of that, even though the science shows that you don't really need it. Fuck it, take it. You know what I mean? If that's what's going to do it, then do it. And uh, I think, like... So like a little tangent on the placebo effect. So that's my opinion on pre-workouts guys. Like you don't need them, but the placebo effect is strong, but they did this study and this is like, I have to go on a rant with this. Cause <laughs> this is dope. It was the craziest thing ever. Like, uh, my mentor Luca showed me this and these guys, uh, I want to say it was in New York somewhere like, but it was like in like Syracuse or like, or Utica or something like that, where it's like out of the city. Right. Right. And they took these guys and they actually took like, I want to say they were, they were aged like 70 and they took like 25 guys. Right. And they brought them into a, a monastery, like a monk Buddhist place, but there wasn't any monk activity going on, but that's where they took them because monasteries are really like out sheltered or I guess you could say, or like secluded secluded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. And, and they're kind of, so there's no like typical city life or anything influencing them. Right. Okay. So everything within this uh, place was dated back to like 20 years in the past. So the clothes, the people that were helping them, the the people that worked there, the the news that they had on the TVs, everything. Wow. So it was like controlled. Yeah. Yeah. So they they left these guys in there uh, for like, I don't know how long. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I don't know if it was four weeks or four months, but um, but they slowly believed that they were back 20 years and they like started acting different right they so then they started to believe that they were in their 50s again not 70 years old um and some of the guys stopped walking with walkers uh they ended up they were playing catch and flag football like getting more active and this sounds like people are listening it's like what the fuck yeah get out of here boom boom but it's serious and like they did health measures on these guys and their blood work improved because they believed they were younger, which caused them to be healthier and have better cholesterol, better blood, whatever it was. So it's like that just shows the placebo effect, man. Like there's guys that have gotten out of cancer because they believed and all that stuff. And that just shows like it, and the same thing goes for fitness, guys. It's like I can give you the blueprint to training and nutrition. But if you don't believe that you can follow it and you don't believe that you can just do it. It's not going to happen. Like, and that's the sad thing. You have to, and it's the same thing with success, everything. You have to believe in the process and believe in the journey and believe in the result you're going to get. So there's a lot of mental aspects. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But we'll get, we'll get back to the question. Now, my bad. <laughs> All right. So I told tying, you guys, I like to rant. <laughs> tying in, uh, Flo had a question. It was a four part question. My guy Flo. We got, uh, obviously the pre-workout done. Um, but he's curious also about supplementation. Uh, three parts of his question. What supplements do you take? Um, so I take. And I'm just going to run through this quick because I already kind of broke down a lot of these. I take vitamin D every single day. I take about 6,000 IUs, so international units, which seems like a lot to a lot of people. But you got to understand that uh, most, even like the tested supplements, let's say it's a 2,000 IU pill. It's probably got 1.5 that tops if it's a legit one. You know what I mean? So you don't, and you don't absorb it all. So I take extra just to make sure. But also remember guys, I live in Seattle, Washington, so I don't get any sun. Um, I take fish oil, uh, every single day. 
um, that ranges, you know what I mean? I think I shoot anywhere for, and I think everybody should shoot for this, anywhere between minimum of one gram of combined EPA and DHA um, all the way to three grams a day because a lot of people don't eat enough fatty fish. I know I don't. Um, so some days like, oh, oh, I've been on this like poke kick, so I'll go get like poke. If I do, that's fatty fish. I won't take as much. But um, And if, you know what I mean, if I'm going out and my macros don't allow it because there is fat in fish oil, but I take fish oil every single day. Um, I take a green supplement. So I use Amazing Grass or I use Onnit's EGN, which is a really good one. It just depends if they have it in stock because uh, they sell out quick. As you know, Michael, <laughs> I think I've been waiting. Uh, You're still waiting. I'm still waiting. Damn. Now you got to check that again. Cause I think they got it bad. Uh, I signed up for the email, so I don't okay. know. We'll see. Um, so I take that. I take, uh, I, I cycle in melatonin here and there because I used to train at night and I was just, I had, I'm the type of person, like I legit think I suffered from insomnia because my mind just races at night. And I used to keep a journal next to my bed and I would literally be like, I would have to like mind, we call it a mind dump where you just take a piece of paper and you just write nonstop everything that's on your mind just to get it out. And it would help me sleep. And I still do that on occasion, but I've been training in the morning, which helps me a lot. Um, so I don't take melatonin as much, but every once in a while, um, there's whey protein in my fridge or my cabinet always just because you never know when you're going to need whey protein. Uh, let's see fiber supplement, um, just to make sure I'm on point with my micros, uh, Creatine for sure. I take five grams of creatine a day, every day for the last like four years. I don't cycle it on, don't cycle it off. It's kind of pointless. I cycled it off for the first time in years recently for about two months simply because I ran out and I was like, hey, I'm going to see like if this has any effect. Zero effect. It. I mean, like I definitely feel a difference when I take it, but it didn't like boost gains incredibly. You know what I mean? I don't think you really need to cycle that on and off. It's just important to take. Um, right now I'm taking BCAs during training cause I started this cut and like I said, I get it for free. So it's like, why not? Um, I take pre-workout here and there. Um, man, I didn't think I took that many supplements. Now I feel like I'm like, just listen to yeah, I know, I ran out of room. Um, I take, uh, testosterone injections, steroids. I juice up, uh, heroin, uh, <laughs> I'm just playing about both of those. I don't say I did. I am not, I'm all natural guys. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> you have the drip bag hanging from your handle <laughs> right. in your car right. as you're driving. Uh, got a juice, man. Got a juice. <laughs> uh, I think that's it actually. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I, I take stuff like, I wouldn't even consider this a supplement, but I, I supplement with this, uh, apple cider vinegar. I take that a tablespoon in the morning, tablespoon at night helps with insulin levels. It helps with digestion, helps with a lot. Of, it's and, and dude, like from skin to hair to like, there's t so many benefits of that. Like, well, and a topic. tablespoon, you're not just taking a straight tablespoon. Are you mixing it? Oh, yeah, I mix it. Fuck yeah, that. Okay. That's disgusting. So I put like, I don't even measure it out. So sometimes it might be a little more, but I just dump a little bit in so the glass. Just, you just take a swig and you're good. No, I put, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> I put crystal light in that bitch and then I put ice water and mix it up so I could sip on it so it tastes good. But no, that stuff's not happening. It's just too <laughs> acidic. So yeah, that's what I'm taking right now. Perfect. Uh, well, that's quite the complete list there. Uh, <laughs> second part. I, I really did not think I took that much shit. Now I'm like, damn, I'm a supplement guy. I got to run to the I store. Promise. I got all this stuff. By now. But like, if, as you notice, like I'm not taking anything crazy. Like none of it was like ripped fuel. There was no fat burners. There was no like intro workout training. Like I don't like have like pre-workout shake, post-workout shake. I, I have protein when I can't hit a meal and I'm in a hurry. You know what I mean? It's like I take vitamin D. I take a green supplement, which is like my multivitamin. Right. I take a fiber supplement. I take a fish oil. Like a lot of it is just that. Like the only performance stuff I take is creatine, you know, and then pre-workout if I feel like like feeling like I'm on drugs, right. <laughs> like getting amped up. Right. Well, so, tying into that, his uh, flow's second question was, what is your take on fat burners? So I think that 
It depends. I think if you're looking for fat burners as a solution to lose fat, good luck because it's not going to happen. Um, but I will say this uh, again, like I get a lot of free supplements because I know a lot of people and I go to events and seminars and all, all kinds of stuff. And a lot of times I get free fat burners. Now, in the morning, sometimes I need an extra boost. And a lot of those fat burners have uh, extra nootropics in it or different supplements that increase cognitive function and focus. And I'll take them because, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to take this. I'm going to burn calories. I take this because I'm like, oh, it has caffeine. I need some energy. I'm about to crank out three hours of work on my laptop for online clients and blogs and content. This gives me help with focus. That's like why I take it, right? I don't think, and it goes in the same thing. Like if you don't like drinking a pre-workout, maybe you take a fat burner before you work out because they do have caffeine in it, right? Um, but as a whole, I think they're a waste of money because I don't think they have a significant effect on your metabolism. I don't think they have a significant effect, if any, on losing weight. The only thing that has an effect of losing weight with a fat burner is the fact that it has caffeine in it. Caffeine doesn't burn calories. Caffeine before training burns calories because when you take caffeine before training, you have more energy and you train harder. So don't look at a, a fat burner or don't even look at caffeine as like something that helps you burn fat. Look at it as something that might push your training further and pushing your training harder and further is what's going to burn more fat. Could they potentially be placebo as well? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If I mean, if you take one and you feel like amped up and you get more, like if you stop taking pre or uh, fat burners before you're training your cardio and you feel like you're not pushing as hard and you see like on the treadmill or your sprints that you're not going as fast or whatever, then yeah, I think so. Like, so in that sense, it is, you know what I mean? Like if you're willing to pay 40 bucks a month for a fat burners because the placebo effect is strong enough to help you push, then fuck it. Yeah, take it. But like at, from a scientific standpoint, no, they're pointless. All right. Well, saving his best question for last. Awesome. <laughs> uh, again, this is from Flo. Yeah. Would you recommend horny goat weed? <laughs> if anybody out there knows Flo, you know that this is this guy's question. And the funny thing is this. So Flo has been a client of mine for three plus years now. Like I've been training this guy forever. He, it go, if you guys haven't been to my website, boomboomperformance.com, do that backslash testimonials. He's on there. Crazy transformation. That guy has, has lost a ton of weight. Probably the funniest guy I've ever met. Hilarious. I love hanging out with them. I'm actually going to Mr. Olympia with them to go check it out in Vegas. Um, this will probably be backdated. So I'll probably have already gone by the time you guys listen to this, but I'm excited for that. Um, I don't know what Vegas is going to be like with that guy, man. It's going to be crazy. I mean, you're in strength camp with us, so you know that like, <laughs> it's going to be different. But uh, my opinion on hardy goat weed, if you have trouble getting it up, take it, man. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if that's what you need to get going, take it. Um, now, the reason he asked this is because Flo's kind of into bodybuilding. He knows his stuff. So for those of you who don't know out there that – People actually do take horny go weed. Some even take mild doses of Viagra before training. And the reason is, is because it's a vasodilator. So a vasodilator does what? It brings blood flow into our limbs. And one of our limbs is our third leg. In that third leg, when blood flow is there, I think we have a better time, if you know what I'm saying. So the whole point of it is to bring blood flow in. Now, as most of us know, especially the guys out there, if we get a lot of blood flow into our limbs, so our legs, our arms, our forearms, our back, we get a better pump. So the whole purpose of it is actually to get a pump. Now, I know for me, my workouts are better when I get a pump simply because I know it creates a lactic acid, a metabolic breakdown effect. That is good for muscle growth, but mainly it gets me fired up. When I when my arms are pumped, when my lats are pumped, when I'm deadlifting and rowing, there's something about that feeling because I'm a guy and, and it might be an ego thing and I don't care because it's a placebo effect. Again, when I get a pump, I train harder and I push it and I get excited. Now, 
I would recommend uh, other sources like eating carbs before training, maybe a little sugar, maybe uh, some pre-workouts that have citrulline malate like I talked about before rather than horny goat weed. So I would never <laughs> recommend that, but that's why he asked that question. So I'm just, I'm just going to I'm gonna leave it at that, man. <laughs> Let's get on to the All next All right, one. moving on. Uh, so we did have an anonymous question come in, and it's kind of a three-part question. The first part is universal to everybody. Um, how many times in a week should someone work out while they are trying to lose body fat? Okay. Combined with how many times a week should you do high intensity interval training workouts? Okay. Um, and I think there was a third part too, right? She's like third part was specific to her. She's uh, a woman close to the age of 60. And what, uh, sort of would your plan or recommendation be for her? Okay. So I'll, I'll break it down each point because I think for the first two questions, it doesn't matter whether you're 20, 40, 60, 80, it doesn't matter. Uh, actually I take that back. If you're 80, it probably doesn't matter. And you know what? 62, it just depends. I think with those things, it, it's not about the age. It's about the individual at hand, right? Because age has nothing to do with it. We have 80 old actually I think we have a couple eight-year-old women doing boot camp and kicking ass at our gym um i don't run the classes but i see them in there killing it but what the difference is with age is you've lived longer and there's more likely to have gone through illnesses gut issues uh health parameters injuries like all those things add up so that's why it depends on the individual but um for the first question how many times a week should was it strength train just in general how many just times general, should someone work then, out to lose body fat okay and then high intensity intervals i think uh Here's the thing. Ideally six days a week, because I think everybody needs a rest day or an active recovery day. Now for me, because I'm an advanced training and I've been training for years, I train seven days a week, but you understand that my seventh day is going on a hike with my mom or a friend or going on a walk with my girl or whatever it is, right? Like it's very, very chill. It got turned up a notch when I started playing soccer again, um, which is definitely pushing the active recovery side, but I'm able to handle it as long as I manage sleep and nutrition and everything like that. Right. Um, so six days a week is probably ideal. Now, if you're training two days a week right now, six days a week is not ideal. Three days would be ideal, right? Cause we just want that little bump up. Um, so I think it just, it, it's just too broad of a question to tell you. Right. So I think the most important thing is I would suggest getting anywhere between two to four strength training days per week for the majority of clients. Now, if you're advanced, you can push that a little bit further. For me, my main goal is just being jacked and shredded like in the purpose of that uh, the root of me saying that is because i'm advanced and i actually do a push pull leg split so i go monday's push tuesday's pull uh wednesday's legs thursday's push friday's pull saturday's legs and then i take sunday as an active recovery i add cardio in around those things but i'm training heavy six days a week and i'm just changing the stimulus of my central nervous system to make sure i don't overdo it but that's for the advanced person now uh, the, the notch down from that, which I think works for a lot of people who are intermediate or, uh, or advanced is an upper lower split. So you're doing two days a week of upper body, two days a week of lower body, and you're alternating them. Two of those days are max effort. So you're lifting heavier, lower reps. And then two of those days are more hypertrophy repetition based, higher reps, more, uh, more movement, more repetition based. But for a female, that might not be very beneficial because she doesn't want to work on her upper body so much. So maybe she's doing three to four full body days a week. And for men, three to four full body days a week works great. And I actually have a lot of my clients doing that, right? Um, I think the best way to go, if, if you're not an advanced trainee, you're not trying to get just shredded, but you're just trying to lose body fat and get lean, the best thing to do for my general recommendation, remember guys, everything is so individualized that every person I have is different. But a general recommendation would be three days a week of strength training. So you're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, you're doing 
three heavy days and you're hitting squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, chin-ups, rows, single leg movements, and you're pulling some slider pushing surprise at the end of each one. So maybe Monday you're doing a heavy deadlift, Wednesday you're doing a heavy bench, Friday you're doing a heavy squat, but on Monday later in the uh, workout, you're still doing single arm dumbbell presses overhead or inclined or flat. You're doing plenty of rows every single one of those workouts because you need to pull more than you need to push. Um, you're doing higher rep squats on one of the days. You're doing a high rep lunges on one of the days. You're doing single leg RDLs on one of the days, hip thrusts. So my point is, is we have three full body days and maybe we pick a different big lift to focus on each of those days. But throughout that program, that day, that session, you're still hitting every movement, every muscle. That's the whole purpose of full body. Now, if we do it the upper lower, it's a little bit different. Obviously, you're having a day dedicated to upper. I'm having a day dedicated to pushing. So I'm doing uh, horizontal pressing, angled pressing, overhead pressing. I'm doing tricep work. So that's different, right? So I think everybody depends. But for a general, I would say three days a week is, is ideal. Now, when you tie in those high intensity days, that depends on the individual. If I start somebody out, I usually, it always depends on their history. If they've been training a while, then you could do three heavy days and three high intensity days. That's fine. But you got to understand that when we do full body strength training, it's damaging on the central nervous system. Well, guess what? High intensity interval training is also damaging on the central nervous system. So a lot of times I actually do recommend low intensity cardio or, but I don't like sending people onto a treadmill. Um, if, if I'm going to do something on exercise equipment, I prefer the bike because it actually can, it, it, it mimics the pattern of a squat and a lunge by pedaling so you actually get some muscular uh, and strength adaptation benefits from it um, compared to walking uh, and it's safer on the joints but I think that uh, at first go three strength days a week and do three light cardio days a week whether that's walking for 30 minutes around the block you're taking your dog out you're playing basketball with your kids you're hiking tennis whatever it is right um, if you feel like you're feeling good results are slowing down you want to push it then you change one of those days into a high intensity interval day whether it's uh, battle ropes kettlebell swings complexes prowler pushing sleds sprints hill sprints stairs uh, anything right but high intensity intervals and and we could do a whole podcast on that so I'm not going to dive into intervals and stuff um, after a while maybe you add another one right so like you can slowly build it up to the the upper echelon of like everything you should be doing would be three days a week of strength training, three days a week of high intensity interval training. And you would need to implement deloads every four to eight weeks just to make sure that your body is recovering properly. And then for, if for her, for sure, her being 60, I would do the exact same thing. I just probably would tone down the high intensity work. So her cardio would be more likely low intensity biking or walking or hiking things that are safe on the joints. Perfect. Well, the next one comes from Kim and she's wondering how you feel about working out while you're ill. Um, I think it really depends, you know, like, uh, you got to listen to your body a lot, right? If, if I typically recommend, like the easiest way to do it is, is, is I go, is it in your chest? And if they have chest mucus, they're coughing, it's hard to breathe, the scratchy throat, then I say, take a break. Um, and if you do lift, you can lift lightweight, lower reps, do mobility, focus on things that it's like, I'm just trying to keep the skill of the bench press, the squat, the movement I'm doing rather than push it. You're not doing high rep squats. You're not doing sprints. You're not doing anything that's getting you huffing and puffing too much because you, at the end of the day, anything that's overloading the central nervous system 
isn't going to allow your immune system to recover. Right. And I think a lot of people don't realize this, but when we train, it's a stress on the body. And when we train, we're breaking down every system, right? So we're breaking down our skeletal muscular system, which is good. That's how we rebuild and build more muscle. We're breaking down our central nervous system, which is good. That's how we fatigue it and it gets stronger. And then we can stimulate it more. We're breaking down our respiratory system, our uh, immune system, especially. So that's why I actually recommend a lot of, uh, and this is actually a supplement I left out that I take. Um, I take vitamin C after about three weeks of training without a deload. Cause I know that I'm going to need deload soon. And my immune system is getting rough. Like I always keep that on deck. And so I think you just got to really tone down the training if you're sick, if it's in your nose and your face, like if you're just stuffed up and you have allergy, like base symptoms, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, if you're having like headaches and that stuff, then you would do it. Definitely want to tone it down a little bit. But the main thing is, is like, look, you're sick. Your body needs to get better. So don't stress it out too much. Perfect. Well, the next one is from Chris and he's wondering, wait, it's a guy, right? No, it's a, I think it's, is it Chris bear? Yeah. Oh, that's a girl. Sorry, Chris. Online client of mine. I'm going to cut it. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't cut it. Keep it raw. Keep it raw, man. Keep it raw. It's fine. All right. So Chris is wondering, what are good fat sources versus bad? And how do you balance? How how do we balance our fats? So if you look at fats, there's there's fat, there's saturated fat, unsaturated fat, polyunsaturated fat, monounsaturated fat, and then there's trans fat. The only one of those that's actually bad for us to consume any of is trans fat. And I think most of us know that by now. So just my, my recommendation is really to stay completely away from trans fat. There is absolutely no benefit of it. Um, now if this is the point of flexible dieting, if you fit something in your macros because you're going out for a social event, that has a little bit of trans fat. Don't, don't stress your too much because you already ate it and you're having fun. It's not going to kill you and it fits in your macros. But at the end of the day, there's absolutely no benefit. It's not good for us. So I would stay away from trans fat. Now it's pretty simple. Everybody like there's a lot of people like, you know, the paleo guys, the uh, bulletproof coffee guys, they're obsessed with saturated fat. So they're like put butter and coconut oil on everything, eat bacon, like all this shit. And it's like saturated fat has its benefits. Don't get me wrong. But if you overdo saturated fat, it's not good for you. If you overdo monounsaturated fat, it's not good for you. Right. If you overdo carbohydrates, it's not good for you. Sugar, it's not good. for you. Everything like has a dose. Right. So the most ideal way would be. Let's say that you are consuming 75 grams of fat a day. One third of that should, so 25 grams should come from saturated fat based stuff. One third from polyunsaturated, one third from monounsaturated, right? So the whole point is you're splitting it up. And I think that's the best thing. Now, is it going to be perfect in thirds every time? No. And, and I know for me, I consume a little bit more saturated fat than other fats because I just don't eat a lot of nuts and and olive oil and things like that. But I know that they're important and I still incorporate them into my diet. So the big thing is just balance those, right? There's, there's, I'm not going to sit here and list all all the fats because there's, I mean, there's so many avocado, salmon, uh, fish oil, freaking chia seeds, hemp seeds. There's so much out there and you should consume all of them because they're all great for you, but just split it up evenly. You shouldn't be dominant in anything. It doesn't need to be perfect, but I always recommend like splitting it into three between saturated and monounsaturated and uh, polyunsaturated. And uh, yeah, I think there's like, there's no magic. Like coconut isn't magic. Is it good for you? Yeah, it has benefits, but it's not like a magic nutrient that you need to eat every day. But if you want to cook it in it, cook in it. Like I know for me, I alternate. If I cook an oil, I alternate. Like last time I used coconut oil, this time I used olive oil because I know that they're both healthy and I just go back and forth. And that's like the the most important thing. Um, as far as like 
yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much covers it. Like there's so many good fats that I can't really like tell you which ones you need. The only thing I would say that people need to focus on is balancing their omega six to omega three ratio. And that's something people don't look at a lot, right? Because in the Western diet, the American diet, we consume a lot of grains and a lot of grains are high in omega sixes and, and we stay away from fatty fish and we stay away from like free range, organic cage free. And I stress that a lot with eggs, but eggs, because they're high in omega threes, just like fishes. And you wonder why like Japanese people are really lean, right? Well, and actually this would be a great topic. I could go over for a while, but they consume a lot of omega threes. They consume a lot of raw fish, which is fatty fish, right? They consume, um, a lot of healthy grains. They actually, uh, they consume soup before eating. So it suppresses their appetite a little bit. Cause that's a tradition. They do a lot of tea has the same effect. They eat with chopsticks, which slows them down. So they actually don't, they probably eat till they're about 80% full, which is really hundred percent full. So if you want to diet without tracking, eat till you're 80% full and that's, you'll be satisfied. Trust me. But there's a lot of things, but one of them is because they consume a lot of fatty fish. So their omega three to six ratio is great because they don't eat all these breaded items all the time. Like we do. So the main thing is split it up into threes evenly and you'll be good that's a good balance and then just make sure you're getting a good ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 and you, that could be from upping your omega-3 dose and lowering your omega-6 or just just lowering your omega-6 a little bit nice all right so the next one is from ray lynn and uh wondering what do you feel is the best total body workout for someone who has limited time and can't make it to the gym or has limited time in the gym. So I think this is a dope one because so I have an online client in New York. Uh, shout out to Sarah. She's uh, she does bartending while she's chasing her acting career, which I think is awesome. And she's actually starting to get gigs now, which is going to be dope because she's going to be kind of switching careers here soon. Um, and she hit me with the same thing. It's like, hey, I have a gym, but I only have like legit like. I can be in the gym for 30 minutes. What do I do? I'm like, okay, we're doing a five minute flow. So we're going to spend five minutes on mobility, making sure that we get everything in. We're going to spend 10 minutes doing an EDT. So the first thing we're going to do is a sumo deadlift and a dumbbell floor press. So it's a heavy press and it's a heavy deadlift. Now we're probably going to be, we're going to do five reps each, but we're going to go with like a seven rep max. So you have a couple left in the tank, but we're setting a timer for 10 minutes and you're going as many rounds as you possibly can. So we're staying in that strength hypertrophy range. We're getting a lot of volume in, we're getting some strength in and we're cranking up our metabolism because we're going at a high pace. Then we finish with a 15 minute EDT. Um, that is pretty much like lunges, rows, push-ups, things that are like going to be a little bit higher rep range and, and crank up your metabolism even more because you're pushing the tempo, but you're getting that hypertrophy rep range to build some lean muscle tissue. Um, and she got all that done in 25 minutes. Uh, plus, let's say she takes two-minute breaks in between the flow, the first EDT, and the second EDT. Then you end up out of there in 29 to 31 minutes. Perfect, right? So I think like the best bet is just to just to hit all your movements throughout the week. Make sure you have uh, multiple hip hinges. Make sure you have multiple uh, knee dominant exercises like squats and lunges. Make sure you have multiple two to one ratio of horizontal rowing to pushing. And then you have some vertical pulling and pushing as well. Something for your core and something to get your metabolism up like sleds, sprints, burpees, things like that. Um, and you're good. But the big thing is, is people look at a big program and they're like, okay, hey, I got five sets of five. That's going to take me ever because my rest period needs to be two minutes. Like we'll drop the weight, push the tempo, set a timer and just get it done. Um, so there's no like one thing I recommend like, oh, this is the best exercise. But I will say that if you only have 20 minutes in the gym, spend half that time or maybe even just seven to 10 minutes of that time 
squatting or deadlifting some heavy shit, whether you're a guy or a girl, because that's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. It's going to build the most strength. It's going to use your body in the most functional way and then spend the rest of the time on the accessory work like rows and push-ups and curls and presses. And don't even spend any time on sit-ups or curls if you don't have an, uh, more than 45 minutes to train. And that's my honest opinion. So I don't think there's one go-to, but that would be my recommendation. Awesome. Well, I think we can wrap it up with a question that I have. Uh, and oftentimes I find that sometimes I don't get enough sleep, right? but I don't want to, um, skip out on training the next day because of that. Yeah. So what's something that I can do, what we can do, uh, to help recover from not getting enough sleep. So the big, uh, my first go-to is meditation. I think, uh, meditation is very underrated. If you can break away for anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes in the middle of the day, run through some mantras, uh, get a meditation app, whatever you need to do, um, You'd be surprised how much, and I'm sure there's studies out there that show this, you'd be surprised how much more energy you can bring. And remember that that stress, or I mean sleep is something to calm down the stress hormones, right? But exercise is another stress hormone. So if we're not sleeping, we're higher stress. Well, guess what meditation does? It lowers our stress hormones. So maybe you're not sleeping during meditation, so you're not quote-unquote getting the hours of sleep you need, but you are lowering the stress hormones and you're, you're improving the stress hormones, which will have a significant effect. So I think that's my go-to. Which is funny because the first time I tried to meditate, I just ended up taking a nap. Hey, and you know what? It was a win-win because you probably needed that sleep, right? Yeah. So like whatever. Um, and I think uh, the next one would be like just looking at overall training, right? Like, okay, like if we're training really hard six days a week, but you're like significantly not sleeping, you're not going to get the results we want. So let's lower the intensity of a few of those days. Um, so just tweaking programming could be one. Um, I think nutrition is going to be a huge one because if you're not properly fueling your body again, like nutrition has a huge effect on your hormones. So if we can manage your nutrition to help your hormones, then you absolutely will lower your stress hormones like cortisol, adrenaline, all these things, and you will have a better training session. You will be more recovered and it'll help. Um, the the topic of recovery from a fatigue standpoint is different like we can talk about uh you know getting enough protein amino acids uh doing things like ice baths or uh contrast showers things like that but i think that's a different whole different topic so for reco from a sleep perspective one should be actually manage your schedule and try to figure out how we can get that sleep number two would be a great meditation practice and number three would just be making sure you can optimize your hormones through all of the above plus nutrition and I and think that's pretty much maybe it. some of those caffeine pills and maybe some of those caffeine pills. If you need to get going during the training session, absolutely. But make sure that you wind down afterwards. So guys, that wraps it up. We hammered through a lot of questions there. Um, solo cast was dope. I appreciate all you guys for listening and we will catch you next time on mind vs. muscle.